Good morning to everyone, and welcome to The Well here at STSA. I'm going to sit down once again. If you weren't here last week, I have a very, 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 very slight minor stress fracture in my left foot, but it's not a big deal, so don't worry about me or anything like that. I just need to get rest and then uh, stay off as much as I can. So I'm going to try again to sit down, and last week I said I was going to sit down, and I jumped up at one point in time, and the microphone flew, and there was all kinds of stuff, so this time I really am going to stay sitting down the whole time, and... Uh, Hopefully that works out. So if you are just joining us here today, welcome. We're happy that you're here. We're on the tail end, the finale of a five-week series called Into the War Room, which was based on a movie that's out in theaters called The War Room. By show of hands, how many people have seen the movie? Okay, very good. Still not 100%. If you haven't seen the movie, I don't know what you're waiting for. You got a priest up here telling you to go to the movies, all right? Take your wife out on a date for once in your life. Like, go out, enjoy a Friday night. Like, do something. Okay, this is a great movie. Really, everybody needs to see it. I'm not making any money off it or anything like that. Like, I don't get a commission. I just, I believe very much in the message of the movie. So I want everyone to enjoy it. And that message of the movie is very, very simple. It's about the power of prayer. And like I said in the very beginning, that prayer is a powerful weapon. And our goal in this series is to figure out how to use that weapon. Because like we agreed in the beginning, all of us kind of know about prayer. All of us have, um, can give sermons about prayer, can point out verses about prayer, can talk about other people, how important it is for them to pray in their situation. But in the end, what all is lack is our own actual prayer. Okay, we end up talking about prayer a lot more than doing it. This movie encouraged me to pray, and I think it can do the same for you. So I really encourage everyone to see it. As we've been going through this series, okay, like I said, today is the finale. And I don't know about you, okay, but maybe, maybe it's just, like, I, I pour myself into these things, okay, and especially this series in particular has been more than just a series on Sundays. This has been a journey, okay, and it is a journey where I have seen, because I sit up here and I kind of see things at a macro level, you see things at a micro level. I have seen the power of God working in so many people's lives in this series. I have seen people's prayer lives revived. I have seen people's like spiritual lives. I've seen people repent over stuff that they've been like, like, like mired in for years and somehow through this series came to a moment of repentance, came to a moment of clarity. Like I've seen great things happen during this series. And the reason why I've seen that and hopefully you've seen that as well is because that's what prayer does. Prayer is communication between me and God. So when God is in the picture, like when God is out of the picture, I can have, like, I can make, I can, I can trick myself. I can fool myself. I can rationalize things. When God is out of the picture, I can do whatever I want. But when God is in the picture, I come face to face with myself. I come face to face with reality, my true spiritual state. And that's what prayer does, is it brings us face to face with God and therefore face to face with our true state and our true reality of where we are. That's why, like I said, many people through this series, God has worked in their home. God has worked in their office. God has worked in like, in like situations that they've been praying about for years or worried about for years, and nothing makes me happier. But, but, with that said, I cannot finish a series on prayer without speaking about a topic which I don't want to talk about and you don't want to hear about. But it's a topic that we live in. Any sermon on prayer, any book on prayer, any, anything about prayer 
inevitably hits a point where you have to answer this question. What happens when God says no? Because prayer, like again, for those who have seen the movie, in the movie, is great. The lady had a horrible situation. She prayed. Everything changed. Life turned 180. That's great. But the reality that most of us live in is that a no is not uncommon to us. I wish I never had to explain why God didn't answer your prayer. Because you think it breaks your heart? It breaks my heart more. Because I'm sitting up here and telling you about the importance of prayer and about the power of prayer. And sometimes you say, you know what, Father Anthony? I'm going to listen because you said it. I don't even trust God, but I trust you. You're a good man. I'm going to pray. And then what happens when God says no? At times, at times, like I'll be honest, okay, I struggle with this. And you know what, in all honesty, 100%, I, I don't struggle with it in my own life, and I'll explain why later, because God has taught me certain things in my own life. I struggle with it in your life. I struggle with it that why, examples, why God, the husband who's praying for his pregnant wife who just got in a car accident, pregnant wife in a car accident, why he got to know? The mother who cries day and night over her son who's lost, far away from God, Disown God. Why God? Like, why no? You want me to go? You sit with an eight-year-old child who prays day and night the daddy would come home. And you answer the question why God says no. For me, I sometimes want to tell God, okay, God, give them a no. I don't mind the no. But just give me a reason why. Like, I, I'm an analytical person. Let's have a formula that if you do A, B, C, and D, you'll always get a yes. And if you don't, you'll get a no. And even if no one ever gets a yes, I'm okay with that. Make it really hard, but just give us a formula. Just give me a reason to explain. Say, you know what? You know why you got to know? It's because you're mean to your sister. You know why you got to know? It's because you didn't uh, give in the money box. You know why you got to know? Because you slept during Father Anthony's sermon. Let's have a formula <laughs> of say, if A, B, C, or D, then it's a no. But what do you do when someone does everything right? What do you do when the person gives very generously? What do you do when the person is the most kindest, loving person? What do you do when that person not only doesn't sleep, takes notes in Father Anthony's sermon? What do you do when that person gets a note? How do you respond? This is our topic for today. And I would be doing you a disservice if I talked to you all about prayer and how great prayer is and how powerful prayer is and I didn't answer this question. What do you do when you get the inevitable no's of life? And I shared this with you before. You know what happens if you can't answer this question? You know what happens? You know who can't answer this question? You know who, who you know today that's not answering this question? People who used to be Christian are now atheists. You know why 90% of them, at least my experience, okay, okay, I'm not statistic. My experience, you know why people who were Christian become atheists? is because of this. It's not, it's not theology. It's not evolution. It's not none of that nonsense. Okay, people use that to justify it. But someone comes to you and says, I don't believe in God because the creation... Forget about that. That's nonsense. Okay, that's nonsense. Because everything that is in the Bible can be proved in many, many different ways if you just want to sit down and discuss it. It's not that. Okay, that's not it. The root of it is, I prayed for my grandma and God said no. I cannot believe in a God who said no. My parents fought, divorced, and I was left an orphan. I was left raised by my mom, and my mom was an alcoholic. 
I cannot believe in a God who gave me an alcoholic mom and a deadbeat dad. I can't believe in that God. So you say there's a God, good for you. There ain't no God in my life. If you don't know how to answer this question, the repercussions are dangerous. Okay, and it may not lead you to becoming an atheist, okay, but it may lead you to being what I call a bitter Christian. Y'all know what a bitter Christian is? Okay, the, remember uh, the, the commercials with the bitter beer face? Okay, you remember that bitter, like, there's bitter Christians. You know what I mean? And they're always bitter. And they come to church bitter. And they want everyone else to be bitter. And they say people are joyful in the Lord and they want to make them bitter. Okay? You came late. You're not sitting there, right? You crossed your leg. They want to make everyone else bitter because they're bitter. Okay? So this is our topic here for today. First of all, if you are in the position where you say that God has not answered one of my prayers, first thing is you must realize is you are not alone. You are not alone. By show of hands, is there anybody in this room who God has given them a yes to everything they have ever asked? Raise your hand. Because if there is, you should be sitting up here instead of me. No one is in a situation where they've had a yes to everything they've asked. Every single person, we're all in the same boat, okay? And I don't, exp- I don't talk about it, and you don't talk about yours, but everyone has something inside that they have prayed about and they've gotten a no to. And it's not just people amongst us right here. If you look at, sorry. If you look at in Job chapter 30, verse 20 and Psalm 22 too, you see some pretty righteous guys. Job was a righteous guy. David was a righteous guy. And look what they said. Job said, I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. And David said, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. These are pretty righteous people. Like if you read what God's own description of Job was, God said about Job, there is no one on this planet like my servant Job. So how come God didn't answer his prayer? David, God said, this is a man after my own heart. That's why God didn't answer his prayer. The point here is, is that while, so okay, so in week two of this series, I talked about the mystery of answered prayer. And I talked about certain factors that if we don't do them, God will not answer our prayers. Okay, so said another way, our righteousness factors into getting yeses from God. But it's not the sole factor. I was talked about, who remembers? I don't have any gifts here, but who remembers? The four factors, okay? The four factors that matter when it comes to prayer, okay? Remember we talked about our relationships matter, all right? You cannot be holding a grudge and praying, God, forgive me. God hears our prayers based on our relationships with others. And remember the second one? Begins with an M. Our motives matter. Okay, it's not just bless me and my work because I want to be rich. All right, your mo- what you're praying is important, but why you're praying it is more important. Remember the third one, the big one, the L one. Lifestyle. Lifestyle matters. Okay, and what I said is you cannot get drunk on Saturday and expect a blessing on Sunday. That's not how it works. All right, you cannot live in sin with your boyfriend, girlfriend, and say, God, please bless this marriage. That's not how it works. And remember the fourth one. Your faith matters. Okay, because if you don't have faith, then doesn't work that way. But what, what I'm trying to say here is that those things are a requirement to get a yes, but they don't mean that you will necessarily get a yes. Okay, if you don't do them, you will not have a yes, for sure. But just because you do them, you won't get a yes. Easy example. As a parent, okay, I have two children. One of my children is pushing for a cell phone these days. Cell phone, I want a cell phone, I want a cell phone, I want a cell phone. And my answer is no, you're not going to get a cell phone. Okay, no matter how much, it's not that he's bad. It's not that I, I don't think he's asking, uh, you know, in faith, okay? It's that I don't think a cell phone is good for him. 
and, and no matter what anything, like I don't think it's good for him. Now, him getting good grades is not going to le convince me to change my mind. But for sure, if he doesn't get good grades, for sure I'm not going to change my mind. Does that make sense? So God is the same way. I'm not saying forgive your brother and God will give you whatever you want. But I'm saying if you don't forgive your brother, you got no shot of getting what you want. So with that as kind of our backdrop, that, that's the context. So I'm, I'm avoiding that whole area. Sometimes God says no, like I said in week two, and it's our own fault. I'm not talking about that today. What about when we're doing everything right? When our motives are pure, we're praying in faith, our lifestyle is clean, our relationships. Like what about when we're doing everything right? What do we do? How do we respond to that no? What I'm going to say is one kind of big idea, and then I'm going to try to break it down and apply it to our lives. The big idea is this, is that we need to put our trust in the giver, not in the gift. We need to put our trust in the giver, not in the gift. This may be a paradigm shift for how we usually think about prayer and our relationship with God. So follow me here on this one. We usually think in terms of gifts. We think in terms of things that we want from God. I want healing from God. My foot is broken. I want healing from my foot. My marriage is broken. I want healing from my marriage. I want blessing in my career. I want God to uh, give me a spouse. I want God to take away my spouse. Like, we, <laughs> we think in terms... <laughs> We think in terms of things that we want from God. Someone came to me in this series. Like I said, God has really been working in this series. And if you don't realize God's been working in this series, then you are a prime candidate for him actually doing the most work, but you may be resisting it. Someone came to me in this series. It's Father Anthony, you know what? Like preparing for this message, basically saying, I prayed, and I've been praying, I did everything you said, and I did everything right, I did everything right, and God didn't answer my prayer, and God didn't answer my prayer, and God answered the movie lady's prayer, and God didn't answer my prayer. So I asked this person a question. Hey, uh, unrelated topic. How are things going in your marriage? Oh, things are going great. Never been better. How are things going at your work? Oh, let me tell you how God is blessing me at work. Okay, like how's your personal spiritual life? Like how is your Bible? And you never believe what I read and God is really working. So God did A, B, C, D, E. God worked in 15 different ways in your life. And the presence of God is manifest in your life in 15 different ways. But he didn't give you this and you say prayer didn't work. What are you thinking of? Thinking of gifts. You think in terms of stuff. You think in terms of items, not in terms of a relationship. Back to my cell phone example with my kid. You know me, and you know I love my children. You know me. Anyone knows me knows I got my wife and my kids. They're, like there's God, then there's my wife and my kids. There's nothing else. You know I love my kids. My kid comes to you and says, Daddy didn't give me a cell phone. How are you going to respond? How many of you are going to say, Oh, he d doesn't love you. <laughs> How many of you are going to doubt my love for my child? Anyone? What are you going to say? Here's my 10-year-old son who's asking for a cell phone. And you, he tells you, my daddy said no. What is going to be your thought? What are you going to think to yourself in your head? What you're going to say is very simple. You're going to say, he probably doesn't think it's good for you. Right? Isn't that what you're going to say? Like, you're going to give me the benefit of the doubt. 
You're going to say, I know Father Anthony loves his children. I know he, he feeds them. He clothes them. He cleans after them. He gives them rides to their, their, their football and soccer practice. He sits outside in a car and his laptop in the backseat like, 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 a, like a, a homeless person because he's just too far away. Like he does all these things just for your sake. If he didn't give you a cell phone, it must mean that he thinks it's not good for you. Anybody disagree with me? Anyone going to question my love for my child? Well, let me ask you this. If you trust me that I love my child even though I don't give them what they want, me, full of flaws, then why do we think God any less of God? Why when it comes to God, he don't know what he's doing? No, Father Anthony didn't give it to his kid. It's best for the kid. Oh, God didn't give this to you? Oh, God doesn't love you. Oh, oh, Father Anthony didn't let his kid go to uh, the amusement park by himself? It's because he's trying to protect him. Oh, God didn't give you that job that you prayed for? Oh, it's because God's not on your side. Why, when it comes to me, and I'm, I'm using me as an example, use yourself as an example, okay? Because you as a parent, you do the same thing with your kids and you don't question your own love for your kid. But how come when it comes to God, we make God into, he doesn't know what he's doing. God has no common sense. God has no common sense. Doesn't God know? I'm not supposed to be married by now. God doesn't know what he's doing. Either God doesn't love me or God doesn't know what he's doing. God, I told you, by now I should be married. <laughs> God, by now I should have kids. God, by now I, I should have solved this problem. Parents, benefit of the doubt. No problem. God, as if God is... You know why we like to put our trust in the gift, not in the giver? Break this down. Why do we trust gifts more than giver? Who are we really trusting in, putting our trust in when we trust in the gift, not the giver? Ourselves. What it comes down to is that we put our trust in ourselves. Prove it to you. How many of you have ever asked the question, and be honest, don't worry, you don't need to raise your hand, okay? But I'm sure I'll be able to tell. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, if God would just listen to me, the world would be a better place? <laughs> if God would just listen to me. Remember the movie Bruce Almighty? Okay? I remember seeing the movie Bruce Almighty. And that movie did some stuff in my head. Because I started to think about it. You know what? I don't know if you remember in the movie Bruce Almighty, like prayers came to God. Basically, Bruce Almighty, for those who haven't seen it, okay, it's a silly movie where this guy became God for a week or something. I don't really understand why. Somehow he was God. Okay, I don't know. Jim Carrey became God, okay? I don't know how. Morgan Freeman lended it out to him, something like that. I don't really understand. He was God, and he was now in charge of the whole world. No, just Buffalo. Just Buffalo, apparently, okay? Just Buffalo, thank you. Appreciate that. He was in charge of Buffalo. <laughs> and when people would pray, it would come as emails. Y'all remember it? Okay, so you'd have like a computer screen would be prayers. And someone would say, you know, you know uh, heal this. So he would say like, yes. Or he would say no, or whatever it was. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, forget about the movie. The movie's silly. But what if you were God? Like, how would you decide which one's yes, which one's no? How would you? We in our mind have often said, if I was God, then I'd solve all the problems of the world. And in the end, let's be honest, we don't care about the problems of the world care about the problems of my world. We use the, 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 the homeless kid, the poor kid who's starving in Uganda, use him as a nice example, it's a nice story. We don't care. Care about ourselves. 
Okay, and we only use him to say, God isn't giving me what I want. If you've ever said, if God would just listen to me, my life would be a better place. The world, my world would be a better place. My life would be a better life. My marriage would be... If you've ever thought that, then you are showing exactly what I'm saying. As we put our trust in the giver or in the gift. Last week, for those who are here, we talked about surrender. And we talked about trusting in God and letting go of everything. Well, today, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And if we really trust in God, and if we really surrender and let go, then when God says no, we will come to what I'm going to talk about right now. This expression of our trust in God. This expression of our surrender. Every no from God, I believe, comes from one of three sources. And we are, we'll talk about these three sources, or these three causes, or three reasons, or three whatever. We'll talk about these three, and then you will remind yourself, you will repeat it throughout your day. Anytime you get a no, you will recite it. It's on your handout. We're going to break it down one by one. The three reasons are either God has a bigger perspective, God has a better plan, or God has a greater purpose. Every no in your life, it is because God has a bigger perspective, God has a better plan, or God has a greater purpose. We're going to break it down one by one. First of all, God has a bigger perspective. I see today, he sees forever. Bigger perspective means I see today, he sees forever. <clears throat> Let me ask you a theoretical question. Since we're in the Bruce Almighty playing God role. Imagine if you knew the outcome of everything in life. Imagine what your life would look like today if you could predict the outcome of everything in life. So you send an email to your coworker, you know how he or she is going to respond before they respond. Before you decide to hit send, you know how it's going to be received. You go ask a girl out, you know if she's going to say yes or no. You play fantasy football. You already know who's going to have the big game on Sunday. Imagine if you could predict the outcome. Imagine as parents, if we, could knew, knew, if we know what our kids' behavior is going to be before we have them. Do you think that knowing the outcome of every decision would allow you to make better decisions? Would knowing the outcome of a decision allow you to make a better decision? Absolutely. Of course. This is why people go to fortune tellers. This is why people do the funny horoscope thing. Because if I know the outcome, then I'll make better decisions along the way. To me, I remember, show you how old I am. Okay, who remembers? Who was there? Pre-caller ID. Like, who remembers when caller ID came out? Okay, very good. Speaking to the old folks in the room right now. When caller ID came out, this to me, this to me was like the manna coming from heaven. <laughs> this to me was God on this earth. God incarnate. Because now, used to be, back in the olden days, in the black and white days, okay, for those of you youngins, we used to walk around in black and white, okay? <laughs> and in those days, phones were attached to walls by cords. And you used to pick up a phone and have no idea who's on the other end. No idea. And you would answer and say, hello. And the other, you would wait for the person to say, hello, this is so-and-so. A novel concept. <laughs> and then you would hear so-and-so, and the first thing you'd say is like, You'd say, I wish I didn't answer. 
when caller ID came out, <laughs> caller ID was saying, do not answer this phone. Do not answer this phone. It was God coming to earth saying, do not answer this phone. I started to make much better decisions about which phone calls to answer and not answer once I knew the outcome of who was on the other end. Bottom line in life, if you know the outcome, you make better decisions. Well, I have news for you. God knows the outcome of every decision you have ever made and will ever make. God knows the outcome. God is not guessing. God is caller ID for every decision you make. You take this job, God knows the outcome. You have this conversation, God knows the outcome. You date this girl, God knows the outcome. God knows the outcome for every decision you make. Therefore, he is in a much better position to make good decisions than you are. And that's what you have to remind yourself of. First from the scripture, Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I'll give you an example to show you how God sits above time. Okay, I got in my hand right here a business card. All right, you can't read it, but that's okay. It has my name. At some point there, okay, it says, Father Anthony Messon. Okay, let's just take the Anthony part. Anthony begins with an A, ends in a Y. If I give you this business card, you would look at it. You would not read it and say, Anthony. You would not need to turn your head from side to side. You can, given your perspective, look at this and see all of the letters at the exact same time. Agree? You can look. Is the A next to the Y? No. But you, given your big perspective, can see both the A and the Y simultaneously without having to turn your head from side to side. God sits above the circle of the earth. And God views all of time like this business card. The A being Adam and Eve. The Y being the last man to walk the face of this planet. God sits above it. And there God can look and see, hey look, there's Adam, there's Moses, there's uh, George Washington, there's uh, Abraham Lincoln, there's like Father Anthony, there's Father Anthony's great, 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 great grandkids. See them all right there. Abraham Lincoln, Father Anthony, great, 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 great grandkids. They're not right next to each other. They're far distance. The A looks and says, that Y is so far away. But from God's perspective, because God is infinite, God is eternal, and God sees all at the same time, He is in a better position to make decisions than you are. So that's the first thing. If God says no, I will trust that he has a bigger perspective on things. He sees things I don't see. You ever watched a, a sporting match with someone who's already seen it, like DVR'd? Like you watching a DVR, he already knows the outcome. I, 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 I'm listening to his advice on where to bet money. Okay, he's seen the end of the, the game. He knows how it goes. So when taking advice on, on which team to bet on, listen to that guy. We haven't seen the end of this game. God has. So when God says no, he has a bigger perspective. Number two, God not only has a bigger perspective, God has a better plan. I know good, he knows better. I know good, he knows better. Again, back to you. Have you ever been in a situation, and you'd be lying if you said no, you ever been in a situation where you were sure Sure, sure, sure as the sun comes up in the morning, you were sure that you wanted something and God gave it to you and it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. Or the flip, 
where you resisted, you hated, God, get this away from me. God said no, and he gave it to you. And it's the best thing that ever happened in your life. You ever been in that situation? We all have. We cry, we pout. No, God, this is hurt, this is too much, this is bad, I can't take it. Oh, okay, thank you. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, thanks. We've all been in a situation where we were convinced we knew what was best, or I should say, where we were sure we knew what was good. And we did. But God knew what was better. I love this verse from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. This is a good memory verse for you. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what I love about this? You know what I love about this? The key, the word that I love that I bolded there is ways. Not way. Ways. What does that mean? It means that you think you know the way. And you got biblical proof of why your way is a godly way. I got no problem with that. But God has more than one way. Like God has never painted in a corner where there's only one way or no way. If God only had one way, none of us would be here. Because we've all missed the way. And we've all messed up the way. But God has ways. He has ways. And his ways are better than our ways. Biblical examples. There was a guy named Daniel one time. God told him to be faithful and I'll reward you. His reward was the king told him, I'm going to throw you in a den with a lion. So Daniel, trusting in the ways of God, said, you know what, God? I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. Please, God, make a little baby lion so I can knock him out. Please, God, make a little lion with no teeth so he doesn't hurt me when he bites me. Please, God, make the lion uh, like a sleepy lion or a dumb lion. And God said, no, it's going to be an angry lion, a vicious lion, but he's not going to touch you. So you have your ways. I have my ways. Daniel had some buddies, three saintly youth, obeyed God, end punishment, thrown into the fire. We make, we make biblical characters into superheroes who are like, yes, throw me in the fire. I trust God, no problem, fire, woo! If I was three saintly youth, you know how I'd be praying? God, please invent something fireproof real quick. Please invent them jackets of them. Like, like you're God, invent a fireproof thing. Got to know. I'm going to throw you in the fire. And it's going to be hot. The fire ain't going to touch you. Best example is Moses crossing the Red Sea. Moses leading two million, two million people coming out of Egypt to immigrate to a new land. Two million people who are just coming. And he's leading them through the wilderness. And they're complaining and they're bitter and they're miserable. And then they come across the Red Sea. And if I'm Moses, I'm saying, God, if you're going to invent a boat, now's the time to do it. <laughs> like, hovercraft, G.I. Joe style. Like, like, and now is the time to invent a two million person airplane. Now! <laughs> and God said, no. But Moses, come here, let me whisper in your ear. See, I'm a creative God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to part the sea. You going to part the sea? You can do that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm God. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are better than your ways. Let's make this personal. You're single. You don't want to be single. You want to get married. You have a way. You 
dressed in the nicest clothes. You'd put the vibe out there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you let the ladies know what's up, okay? You flirt here, you flirt there, you meet this, date this girl, you mess around a little bit here, you mess around, and then in your mind, one day I'll settle down, and one day, you know what I mean, I'll have a great marriage. That's your way. God has a better way. God's way is actually to make you very lonely. Lonely to the point where you would say, I'm actually miserable, that I got no one. And then when God has made you so lonely that you got nowhere else to go, you turn to Him, you cry to Him, you develop a deep relationship with God, and then He, like He can do all the time, He does so many times, brings a girl out of the blue that you could have never found on your own. And He brings you Miss Wright right there by your side. And you have the greatest wife ever. See, your way was good. You have a wife. God's way is better. You have a wife and a deep, trusting relationship with your Father in Heaven. You have your ways. I have my ways. This is the true self test of trust in God on this one. At least for me. Okay, you may struggle with any of these, but th the true test, because we, in our minds, we think we are the smartest people. You know what? It's the internet. The internet has made us all think we're the smartest people. I've heard this come from doctors. Doctors have it horrible these days, okay? Because you go to a doctor, and you've already researched the whole thing on Google. And you already got it. I heard a doctor tell me one time, this person's seen four episodes of Grey's Anatomy, think he can cure cancer. <laughs> Just last week, I had a leak in my, in my bathroom, okay? So, I mean, I've I, I seen HGTV. I know how this works, okay? So the handyman comes, and it was comical the way I'm analyzing the problem to him. I have no idea what I'm doing, okay? No idea. And I can see him, like, holding back, and I'm like, you know, there's a leak here, but don't worry, I've already checked this, and I checked up the, the, the spigot, and the, you know what I mean, and I turned this, and I the grout and all this stuff, and he's just like, and he's trying to hold back the laughter. He basically wanted to say, you stick to the priest stuff, okay? <laughs> Let me do the handyman stuff. It is dangerous when we take the same attitude towards God. I seen HGTV, done make me a handyman. I seen Grey's Anatomy, done make me a doctor. I seen Law and Order, doesn't mean I could talk my way out of a ticket. We think I've read two verses in the Bible. I went to Sunday school for, for a few years of my life. I can tell God how this thing is supposed to be run. That's a dangerous thing to do. You know good. He knows better. Number three. Not only God has a bigger perspective, not only God has a better plan, God has a greater purpose. I want happy. He wants holy. I want you to think in your mind. Think in your mind. Did you catch that one? Think in your mind. Okay. As opposed to think in your feet. Okay. I want you to think in your mind of someone that you admire, of a role model of some sort. Could be a biblical character, could be a saint in the church history, could be your dad, could be some, someone that you admired. I bet you, I bet you, something is in common between who's in your head and who's in your neighbor's head and who's in my head and who's in all of our heads. I bet you that one of the things that's in common between all of those people is all those people at some point in time in their life faced a difficult situation, some kind of adversity, which at first they resisted. And then at some point in time, God said no. And that difficult situation made them who they are today. One of my role models in life 
is a man named St. Paul. I love St. Paul. He's my favorite. St. Paul, author of half the New Testament. You cannot find someone who made sacrifice for the gospel's sake like St. Paul. You can't find someone who prayed in faith like St. Paul. You can't find someone who cared about what God cares about, which is saving lost people, building the church. You can't find anyone who cared more and sacrificed more than St. Paul. St. Paul was a man. He was straight. St. Paul, like y'all know me, I'm truth. Okay, like I'm truth is truth. My wife is mercy, I'm truth. St. Paul was truth. And St. Paul is what's right is what's right, what's wrong is what's wrong. And even if I love you, if you're wrong, I call you out straight to your face. I love that. One point in time in St. Paul's life, he was faced, well, he describes a thorn in the flesh. He doesn't tell us exactly what that thorn in the flesh is, and for our purpose, it doesn't really matter. We need to know about the thorn in the flesh. It was something that prohibited St. Paul from serving to his maximum capacity, at least in his own mind. It was something that, that was hindering St. Paul from being able to preach to the ends of the earth like he wanted to do and like God told him to do. St. Paul prayed in faith. St. Paul prayed like no one prayed. And the Bible says, in St. Paul's own words, that three times I prayed that this thing would go away. And, and when the Bible says that he prayed three times, it doesn't mean like, please God bless my mom, bless my dad, please take away this thing, amen. It doesn't mean three utterances. It means three seasons of prayer. Like, you know what? Here comes Lent. I'm going to dedicate these 55 days. I'm just going to pray about this one thing. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray for a season. End of the season, God said, no. A year later, St. Paul did the same thing. And then five years later, did the same, whatever it was. Three seasons of life. And his answer was no, no, and no. I will not take this thing away from you. St. Paul gives his analysis on that scenario in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. St. Paul writes, and he says, He's writing to a group of people who are also in adversity, and he's relating his own experience. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. For our outward, of our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He reiterates the same thing and one time in Romans chapter 8 where he talks about my outward suffering is nothing compared to the inner glory that is being revealed through it. Ask yourself this question. When God says no, can you accept that maybe he has a different agenda than you do? You want happy. We all want happy. But sometimes God says holy is better than happy. And holy is more important than happy. And to get to holy, you need a thorn in the flesh. I remember there was a time in my life. I think, in my own personal opinion, especially after talking to so many people, I think I've led the easiest life in the whole wide world. And I don't mean that to say I haven't had adversity. But what I mean that to say is that when I see the adversity of so many others, mine is pale in comparison. And I think that's kind of what St. Paul is saying. Our light affliction. So I'd be lying if I said I didn't have any affliction. But to be honest, I listen to you and your affliction, and my heart goes out to you. My light affliction. There was a time in my life. Again, again, it's trivial compared to the stuff. I know y'all go through real stuff, okay? But I can only speak about what I, what I know. There was a time in my life when I was back in college where I wasn't very close to God in the beginning of my college years. 
But I started near the tail end. I started to get close to God. And I started to understand this church thing. And, and I, started, I started trying. I wasn't really putting much effort into it at the beginning. And I had my friends, okay, that I hung out with. I lived in the house with eight guys, okay, my junior year. Um, and, I, and then into the fourth year, seven guys. We lost one guy, graduated. And I had my friends. And, and I'll be honest, okay, we used to enjoy our time, okay? And, yeah, I mean, we would, you know, we would do things that, you know, whatever. Okay, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying we did anything, like, for terribly bad, but I'm not saying, you know, we all made mistakes. It came a point in time in my life, like I said, I started to get close to the church, and I started to, my friends started to shift. But it was never that I stopped hanging out with this. At least I never made a decision, I want to get away from this group. But I said, you know what, I need to invest more here. And I wanted to invest more here because I, start, I liked my church like, I started liking this church thing. But then there came a point in time, and you've been there, maybe, where you can only stand on both, like, uh, boats for so long, okay, where you, you know what I mean? There comes a point in time where you have to choose one of the other two. And I remember getting to this point, it was my, my fourth year of school, and at that time, certain things started to happen. I started to go through some difficult times. Nothing major, again, don't think it was anything major, but it was a time where it was a period of loneliness in my life. And the temptation, as is so often with all of us, is to just quickly numb the pain. Okay, why do people, and I mentioned this in the sermon earlier today, why do people in college go out and get drunk? And then why do we, I'm not saying this about anyone, why do we, 35 years old, still want to go get drunk? 45 years old and two kids and still go get drunk. Why? Because we have a pain, we have a void, we have something, and we just want to numb it. Go away. The natural human reaction is just numb the pain. Any kind of anesthesia. Usually starts with alcohol. If you don't stop it, it usually gets worse. Okay, it always does. I was tempted at this moment in time to say, you know what? I'm trying to do the right thing here. But these guys only see on the weekend. These guys are here. Like, I'm tempted. Like, I'm tempted to go back to this college group. I'm tempted to go back to this lifestyle. And I had been, like I said, slowly, but I'm tempted to go back because I'm lonely and I'm struggling and I kind of need just some kind of anesthesia, just something, you know, I'm tempted to go back here. And I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't tempted to say, you know what, like, okay, when in Rome kind of a thing. But God gave me grace and I did. And I endured a difficult time. But I always say, I always say, that because I didn't go there, and I said, you know what? It was really the grace of God. You know what, God? I'm sticking with you. And I'm doing the right thing. And if that makes me lonely on Friday night, then so be it. I'm lonely on Friday night. And if they're all going to go out and party, and I'm going to feel like a loser, you know what? I'm going to be a loser with you, better than a winner without you. And I made that decision. And again, I'm not saying I'm, 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 I'm Mother Teresa. But I'm saying that decision, when I sucked it up and I said, you know what? This stinks. But I bet you, if I hold on to God through this time, bet you it'll pay off. Man, it certainly paid off. And I look back on that time and say, that was a tough time. And that was a time where God never said yes to what I was praying about. But man, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change a thing. Because it's in my loneliness that I discovered how to be a friend of God. It was in when I discovered how to be alone, I was ready for a relationship, okay? Not just in this way, but also with my wife. Okay, I was ready to be married when I learned how to be alone with God. My point is, God had a greater purpose than I could have ever imagined. 
And I believe God has a great purpose for you, no matter what the difficulty may be as well. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10 says this. My purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Question back to you. I told you in my story, I now understand what the purpose was. I see it very clearly. You may never understand. You may be in the middle of the story. You may be in the time where you're asking and you're praying and you're getting a no, and you don't know the purpose. Doesn't mean there isn't a purpose. You, I'll be honest, you may never get the explanation to it. But can you trust that everything that God does, including his no, you, I told you earlier, gave you the example, I said no to my son, you trusted there was a greater purpose. You say no to your son, you know there's a greater purpose. Can you trust that his no has a greater purpose? I always say that the ability to answer, to receive a no to my request, that's a sign of true maturity. What's the difference between an immature child an immature child, if an immature child, I say no sweets, throws a temper tantrum. If I say no sweets to a mature child, and he says, okay, you know what? This stinks. I accept it. I still love you. I still trust you. That's a sign of maturity spiritually as well. Okay? God has a bigger perspective. God has a greater, I'm sorry, a bigger perspective, a better plan. God has a greater purpose. Two last things I want to leave you with. Two last things, okay? And I'm going to go through these real quick just for the sake of time. As you're going through, you are reminding yourself, okay, you are reminding yourself of these three facts, that God has a bigger perspective. I see today, he sees forever. That God has a better plan. I know good, he knows better. You are saying that God has a greater purpose and that he sees, or I see happy, he see, or I want happy, he wants holy. Remind yourself of these two facts. Put these two facts, I'm gonna give you right now. I'm not gonna break them down too far, but just put these two facts in your pocket, okay? Hold on to them, you're gonna need them at times. They are this. That whenever God says no, Number one, it's always out of love. And number two, it's never without grace. Number one, it's always out of love. And number two, it is never without grace. You believe it about me as a father, believe it about your father as well. Whenever he says no, it hurts, but it's always out of love. And it always comes accompanied with a side of grace. One of the most overused but underbelieved verses in the Bible. Overused, meaning like over-recited, but under-applied is what I mean to say, is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We know, not we guess, not we think, not we hope. We know that all things work together for good to those, those who love God. Stop quoting it. Stop telling everyone about it. Stop posting it on your Facebook and have hashtag blessed. Stop that. <laughs> start living it. And start reminding yourself of it, not reminding the whole wide world about it. Specifically, your no, your no, is that part of all things? Like, does all things include your no? Your no to your prayer about your spouse. Your no to your prayer about your kids. Your no to your prayer about your career. Is that no included in this umbrella called all things? All is, there's no much, not much room for wiggle room when you use the word all. Your no is under all. And you got to stop saying it and stop, start believing that all things do work together. Not that all things are good, but all things work together for good. And I talked about this verse so many times. 
You say, I don't see the good. And I say, that's the whole point of belief. That's what faith is all about. Y'all remember when Thomas, when Jesus rose from the dead, and he came to Thomas. Thomas, I'm not going to believe till I see. So Jesus came and said, okay, touch. And he said, Thomas, because you have as you seen, you believe. But blessed are those who, what? Who have not seen and yet believed. You say, I don't see, so I don't believe. I say, that's what belief is all about. If you saw, it wouldn't be belief. It wouldn't be faith. It'd be math class. This ain't math class. This is God was born of a virgin. This is a man who went up on a cross and died and was risen from the tomb. Like our whole life, everything we do in this church, everything we do in Christianity is based on faith. Why can you not believe? It's because you can't see. Everything God does is out of love. And everything comes with a side of grace. St. Paul specifically, when he spoke about the thorn in the flesh, and God said no to him, this was his, his, what he said right after that. He said, concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's out of love. And man, you got to know that you will never go through anything without me being right there in that boat with you. There was a kid song we used to sing. I don't know if y'all ever heard it. All right, it went. Something about the rain in the boat. Okay, remember this song? Like, ah, it escapes me. About how Jesus, we're, I don't remember. Something like, I won't stop the rain from being in the boat with you. No, I won't stop the rain when you're in the boat, but I'll be in the boat with you. But it was much catchier. Okay, than that. <laughs> okay something to the effect of, like, uh, would oh, with Jesus in the boat, I can stand in the storm. Remember that one? With Jesus in the boat, I can stand in the storm. Stand in the storm. No? <laughs> with Jesus in the boat, okay? He may not stop the rain. I mixed like six different songs right there, and I think that was the tune of Happy Birthday, okay? <laughs> Forgive me. The point is this, is Jesus may not stop the rain from coming, but he'll stand with you in the boat. He may not stop the adversity from coming, but he will stand with you, and he will give you his grace. And it's time for us to stop saying that and time for us to start believing it. The series is done. I don't know about you, it's been a great series. It's been a powerful series. Like I said in the beginning, I've seen the hand of God working. You may say, you know what? This was a great series, but I wanted God to do this. And I wanted God to give me this. And I had high hopes, Father Anthony, that this would have been solved by the end. And my challenge to you, is to take what we learned here today. That God, trust in the giver, not in the gift. That he has a bigger perspective. You will never be able to see. You stuck here on A, had no idea what's going to happen at O and Y. He's got a bigger perspective. He's got a better plan. His ways are not like your ways. Your ways are silly. His ways is parting sea, lion's mouths, furnace. And he's got a greater purpose. To make you something that you can't imagine. I, when I was back in college could never imagine who I'd be today. Could never imagine it. But I have no doubt that the adversity that I faced was part of the process. And you have no idea what God is making out of you today. He's doing today to make you something great tomorrow. I'm going to leave you all with this verse. Okay, my favorite verse in the whole wide world. And I showed you all this before. Okay, I don't carry a wallet. I carry a money clip. And on my money clip, it says Psalm 4 or 5. Okay, so it's always by my heart. And this is all you, if you listen to nothing I said, you listen to nothing I said, you walk out of here with Psalm 4 or 5. You offer right sacrifices and you trust in the Lord. Offer right sacrifices means you do your part. 
You, like I talked about, you walk in righteousness. You forgive your enemy. You do all the things. You pray in faith. You do all those things. But then in the end, you offer what's right. And you rest easy knowing that we have a great Father in heaven who even when he says no, it is full of love and is accompanied by grace. And no matter what he gives, no matter what he gives, his love and his grace will never, ever, ever depart from us for one second. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for this message. Thank you for this series. We thank you, Lord, even though, if we're honest, sometimes we don't really want to thank you. We want to complain. And I know, Lord, that everyone who's standing here, like this message kind of hits home in different places with everyone. Some people have been praying about hard things for months, for years. And I know it's not easy. But Lord, I, I pray that you would plant like a seed of trust inside all of our hearts here. Trusting that you are our gracious Father. And you see all things and you know all things. That you'd help us to trust in you. Lord, if our life ends today, Lord, what the, the gifts that we got meant nothing. But Lord, the trust that we have in you, that's what's going to carry us into eternity. So I pray, Lord, that you would implant your trust inside of us. That you'd give us grace to walk through whatever adversity it may be facing us, to know that you're with us the whole time. Thank you, Lord, for this time, and thank you for every person who's here. Please, Lord, don't let them leave out of this series the same way they came. We pray these things in the name of your mighty Son, the prayers of all of your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, thank you everybody for coming. Um, and we are glad you stopped by. And we don't have any more trivia questions for you guys, but uh, we hope to see you guys next week. Just a reminder again, the dishonesty event is next Sunday. So please try to make a push. There's flyers in the back. Please hand them out to your friends. Thanks you guys, and see you next week. Michael reporting to? Huh? I don't know. I know. I don't know who's this is. Michael's. We were out all day yesterday. She'll uh, she'll be here next weekend. Though. Okay. Sure. <laughs>